Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. Hope everybody had a fantastic weekend, and we thank you for joining us today on Monday's show. Going to start the week off right, talking about the Bucks' most intriguing opponents. Um, a lot of fun matchups this year, a couple of difficult opponents, a couple of uh, star-studded matchups. As always, so we're going to talk about which ones we are most interested in. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is the face that runs the place at PeterReport.com, Scott Reynolds. Scott, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing great, Matt. Uh, just got back from the beach. It's, awesome. it's never it's never bad to spend some time in Florida over at the beach, you know. Uh, got a little sun, uh, didn't nice. get burned or anything, so that's good. Uh, but are the Buccaneers going to get burned this year? Um, I don't think so. You know, I, I think they've got a an easier schedule, Matt. And it kind of starts with, with some of these teams in, in the South and not just the NFC South, the AFC South, right? Correct. We're talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars out of all four teams in the NFC South and the AFC South. Jacksonville Jaguars had the best record at nine and eight. And they snuck in the playoffs by winning the division. And uh, they had a, an incredible win over the, the Los Angeles Chargers that really gave – Trevor Lawrence, some great experience. Then they lost to yeah. the eventual Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead. That's a tough place to play, especially in January, and come away with the win. And, uh, you know, the Jaguars, they're kind of an up-and-coming team, and we'll talk about that. That's one of our intriguing teams. But, you know, it, it's just it's kind of interesting how the schedule works out for the Buccaneers. Last year so difficult. You look at those quarterbacks they had to face, Matt. Um, Joe Burrow. Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. We're talking about guys that are either uh, have either won the NFL MVP or are in the discussion. And this year, not so many great quarterbacks this year. And I think Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, probably the top two, but they don't face the litany of Pro Bowl slash Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks they played last year. I think that works to the Bucks' advantage this year. Yeah, they don't have to go through the murderer's row, which they had to deal with the year before. But what they do have to go up against, and which is why I think we're all so optimistic that the Bucs are going to be way better than a team lobbying for the first overall pick, is they're playing against a lot of rookie quarterbacks and inexperienced quarterbacks, including you know Jordan Love of the Packers, who's been in the league for a couple of years, but has, right. I believe, one start under his belt. And the Bucs had that a couple of years ago as well, playing against a lot of rookie quarterback so I don't really know what the alternate is to a murderer's row but yeah. whatever that row is that's exactly who uh the Bucs are going up against with quarterbacks and not just the quarterbacks too you want to say the Bucs aren't going to be that good well neither is the entire NFC South neither yeah. is the entire uh you could argue the NFC North outside of maybe the Lions and especially with the AFC South so yeah. uh yeah, a lot of negativity, but we ain't bringing it. We are no. not bringing that negativity. No, I mean, it's not to say the Buccaneers have any, you know, gimmies or layups. You you could look Correct. back at last year, right? And, I mean, going into Charlotte and losing to P.J. Walker, fourth-string quarterback for yeah. the Panthers, right? Uh, losing to the, the tandem of rookie quarterback Kenny Pickett. And 
Mitchell Trubisky, the backup, right? That was an embarrassing loss right With there. With Tom Brady going to Robert Kraft's wedding the Friday before. So that just exactly. added another stoke into the yeah. fire. Of so like, oh, he's not focused. Yeah, and so many Steelers uh, defensive players, Minka Fitzpatrick, T.J. Yeah. Watt, out of that lineup. So, again, you can't just look at this on paper and say, you know, wins and losses. I mean, we'll do that, right? We come up with, with predictions yeah. uh, as, as the season draws near. But at the end of the day, that's why they play the games, because any given Sunday. But we're going to be looking at some of the most intriguing matchups, you know, and uh, and it's, it's a fun topic for Monday. And the one thing, Matt, that always makes the Pewter Report podcast so much fun on Monday is this little thing we do at 420 every Monday called Roll call. That's right. Where you at, Peter people? We do this every Monday, as Scott just said, at 420. So it's coming up in about 14 minutes from now. We just love interacting with you, the Peter people, in as many ways as we can. So one of the ways we do that is at 420 coming up in a bit. Uh, We want you to write in the comments if you're watching the show right now. Tell us where you are watching from. We have a lot of fans all over the place from Tampa to, you know, a lot of guys and girls in, in California, some international people as well in, in England and Switzerland and all over. So, uh, yeah, just let us know where you are watching from, and we'll put it up on the screen uh, as we go on a rant about your favorite football team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So keep an eye on that coming up in a couple of minutes. Roll call with the Peter people. That's a, what always makes Mondays fun is yeah. we get to find out uh, not just where in, in Florida – not just where in America, but where around the world the pewter people are tuning into the show from. And that's that's exciting to see so many international Buccaneer fans, whether uh, they're from their native countries or maybe they're Americans and, you know, they've they've moved abroad uh, or traveling abroad. It's always yeah. fun to do roll call on Mondays at 420. So, uh, Matt, this was this was a great topic idea by you. And, uh, you know, we're going to get to plenty of Buccaneer conversation. We have the whole season to do it. And training yeah. camp is, <laughs> is quickly approaching. Yes, yeah. it's, it's just a couple of weeks away now. But this is a, kind of an interesting show because uh, we, we came up with with our, our top five list. And we have a couple uh, of these teams that overlap. And we're going to kind of um, – spin them out right now to kind of preview the show. And then we're going to go in in depth after roll call about, about these, these teams. But the three that, that Matt and I had in common were the Eagles, the bills and the Jaguars. Mm -hmm. And I think those are three interesting teams right there that we both kind of came up with. And then your other teams that you uh, are intrigued about are the Packers and the 49ers. And the other teams I was intrigued about um, were the, uh, let's see, were the, the the Bears and the Lions, right? So uh, kind of an interesting mix between some teams that are supposed to be powerhouses, right? Yeah. And, and we both kind of, I think, are in agreement that the Eagles and the Bills are certainly in that class, right? You're talking about the NFC champion last year losing to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a, a Bills team that is always just nipping at Kansas City's heels, and and trying to get to the Super Bowl, um, and then you know the Jaguars, which they're they're kind of an upstart team, right? And and uh, and, and I've seen back in 1997, the Buccaneers were that breakout team, kind of like the Jaguars were last year, kind of like the Lions were last year as well. And uh, and, and sometimes Matt, those expectations, the the press clippings, the the love from the media, they become the media darlings, these upstart teams. And sometimes they're here to stay. The Cincinnati Bengals with Joe Burrow, prime example, right? Burrow delivered them from the darkness 
But sometimes, as was the case with the 1998 Buccaneers, even though they're loaded with talent, they read their press clippings, they bought into the hype, and they relaxed a little bit. And as a result, they went from, from 10 and 6 in, in, in uh, 1997 to 8 and 8 and didn't make the playoffs in Tony Dungy's, um, that was what his fourth season as head coach. And so I'm wondering if one of these teams, the Lions or the Jaguars, takes a step back this year. But as Matt, as you mentioned, the divisions they're playing in, AFC South, not strong. NFC North, not strong either. What are your initial thoughts about, about this premise, about the Lions and Jaguars? Do you think they take a step up, or do you think they maybe take a step down this year? Yeah, I think you said it perfectly, and shout-out to Bucks Baseman for the $2 Super Chat saying that the Bucks defense last year made Colt McCoy look <laughs> like an MVP. That kind of goes into a little bit uh, of what Scott's uh, Fab Five was this week about uh you know just things that Todd Bowles has to do better one of them was blitzing more and yeah obviously playing man-to-man defense but we could talk about that another time just wanted yeah. to acknowledge the super chat yeah to your point about the Jaguars and the Lions especially for the Jags because the Lions still have to deal with the Vikings and I know people say that the Vikings are frauds and I I'm kind of in that camp as well but yeah. they they did win the division last year the Jaguars I have a difficult time really knowing and understanding, are they a legitimate team or is it just Trevor Lawrence brought them to the brink? Because let's remember, they only made the playoffs last year because the Titans were horrendous down the stretch and lost like five or six games in a row and Ryan Tannehill was injured. They were down to their third string quarterback. And credit to the Jaguars, they had to win a bunch of games down the stretch as well, and they did. And that's what got them into the playoffs. But I I can't fully be on board with the Jaguars are a legitimate team. Now they do have Calvin Ridley returning mm-hmm. this year after he was suspended. That's a huge weapon yes. on offense that's going to help Trevor Lawrence. But I can't help but think about and maybe just because the Jaguars is one of those teams it's it doesn't feel right seeing them be successful. Cuz I think <laughs> about that team that Leonard Fournette was on a couple of years yeah. ago that went to the AFC Championship game and were beating the Patriots in the that's second right. half. And then the world tilted correctly on its axis again, and the Patriots <laughs> came back and won. And the Jaguars weren't really ever heard from again up until last year. And then I think along with the Titans just choking away down the stretch, that epic playoff game, was that a great comeback by the Jaguars? Or was that just, just the Chargers doing what yeah. the Chargers have done right. over the last 35 years? I don't yeah. really know. So I, I think – this year, we'll really find out, are the Jaguars legit? Are they just benefiting off of a really bad AFC South? And let's face it, if the Titans kind of rewrite the ship, if Tannehill is able to play to his ability, yeah, I think you're looking at another two-team race again. It's just, mm-hmm. I don't know. The Jaguars really confuse me. They got a great quarterback yeah. outside of that. I don't really know. And a good coach, yeah. too. Yeah, that's true. And and you talk about the, the winning down the stretch, right? So, um mm-hmm. Really, after the bye week is when the Jacksonville Jaguars caught fire because uh, before the bye week, they had lost one, two, three, four. They had lost five games in a row. They started off two and one, then they lost five straight, including to the likes of the Houston Texans, the Indianapolis yeah, Colts, bad. the New York Giants, bad. Denver Broncos, you know. And um, and then after the bye week, they beat the Baltimore Ravens 28 to 27. Then they lost to the Lions uh, again, another team that was on the rise last year and then they kind of went on that that streak that you talked about winning the last three or last six games of the regular season beating Tennessee 
beating Dallas in overtime, beating the Jets, beating Houston, and then uh, essentially sweeping the Titans, uh, winning that, that last game of the season. Then, as you said, they had that um, come-from-behind victory uh, at home against the Chargers. 31-30 was a thriller, and then they lost to Kansas City just 27-20. So we'll have to see if, uh, if in fact, you know, that that confidence that Trevor Lawrence got from that epic win over the Chargers. And then sometimes, you know, you, you benefit from losing, right? When you, when you lose mm-hmm. to to a Super Bowl champion team uh, like the Chiefs, uh, you know, it's it's gotten the Bills closer to yeah. to possibly dethroning Patrick Mahomes and and, and the Chiefs, and, and we'll see if that ever happens. But but uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence made some strides. But you're right. Is it just Trevor Lawrence, or did they have enough around him? They do have a good coach in uh, in, in Jacksonville, yeah. yeah, and Doug Peterson. So and, and that helps. That's going to give him a, a puncher's chance, I think. Yeah, no question about it. And that's why I had the Jaguars on the list for kind of like what we talked about earlier in terms of Bucks don't really have a lot of great quarterbacks that they're playing against this season. Yeah. So when you do have that type of matchup, especially this late in the season, you know, it goes on during week 16. So yes. I believe it's a Christmas Eve game. So yeah. they, they only have two more games after that, both against divisional opponents. So depending on what happens with the rest of the division, and sure, I'm sure the Bucks will be playing for a game to either, you know, clinch a playoff spot, maybe clinch the clinch the, the the NFC South. But this is the last time they're playing against what we predict right now is going to be at least a solid team or a right. team in the mix. So anytime you get to, especially late in the season, you get to play against a really good team. That's yeah. a great, uh, you know, launching point for yeah. if you are going to make a playoff run, if the Bucks are in that situation. Yeah. And as you mentioned, it's, it's late in the year and uh, you know, it could be a battle of bragging rights, Jack, or, you know, the Dolphins aside, but it could be a battle of bragging state rights of for the state of Florida, you know, yeah. um, not that that means as a whole bunch as it does in college football, with yeah. all the Florida teams down here, but uh, it will be interesting to see because both the Jaguars and the Buccaneers won their respective South divisions last year. So are both of those teams going to be in the hunt? To do that again, well, one of those teams, well, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but that's that's one of those those three teams, Matt, that we kind of honed in on, and probably the the weakest of those teams, right? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, the the other team, the, the Lions. We'll just talk about them for a quick second, because uh, yeah. that that's one of the, my teams that was that was uh, uh, on this list, and and, and a, a team that I think has got some parallels, right, to to Jacksonville, because kind of a forever downtrodden team, mm-hmm. uh, good coaching staff. Dan Campbell kind of wills the Lions to, to win a little bit, kind of like Doug Peterson did with, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's interesting, though, because when you look at the Lions, they're, they're a physical team, hard-nosed team. They ran the heck out of the ball last year, and they did it successfully, and then they completely blew up their backfield, <laughs> 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 which, which was kind of shocking, right, because you have Jamal Williams, who's now – in, in New Orleans, they brought in David Montgomery, the veteran. They dra- they spent a first round draft pick yeah. on Jamar Gibbs, and 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 but it still is going to be can Jared Goff continue to ascend or at least kind of stay where where he was uh, last year, which was good enough mm-hmm. to get the Lions into the playoffs uh, on you know and and kind of a uh, a division now that that without Aaron Rodgers in in the NFC North opens up a little bit for Detroit if they can sustain some of this momentum that they had from last year, Matt. 
And I think a, another parallel with the Jaguars, a very likable coaching staff. People really yeah. gravitate towards Dan Campbell with some and of hard the things knocks that he said. Yes, hard knocks very much helped that out. This game could be should rightfully be on the list strictly just because it's the creamsicle game. That's and that's right. going to be most yeah. exciting. But it's very <laughs> fitting that it's the creamsicle game because as you mentioned, that the you know the 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 Lions are very smash mouth, run heavy, and it's so funny because literally yesterday I was talking with a friend about they the, they drafted a running back not named B. John Robinson in the first round. Like, right. what the heck are they doing? But it's fitting that the Bucks are gonna be wearing the cream school because it has the feel of an old school type of game. A lot of running yep. the ball on both sides. The Bucks' strength, at least for a very long time, was stopping the run. And uh, you know, the Lions, I don't think, are gonna shy away from doing that just because yep. the Bucks you know, should still be at that level. So I think it's going to be very old school. I don't think it's going to be the prettiest of games outside of the jerseys that are being worn, but right. that's okay because, uh, you know, the Bucks have shown in the past almost all of their wins last year with the exception of, like, the season opener against the Cowboys. Yeah. The Bucks can win ugly. The winning ugly was the majority of what they did last <laughs> yes. season. That's a fact. And one of the interesting parallels, the reasons why I had the, the Lions on here is that they're they're really like the NFC version of the Jaguars. Uh, almost yeah. an identical type season. They started off um, one and one, two, three, four, one and six, man. They start off one and six Jeez. and then they caught fire and they went nine and two down the stretch. Mm -hmm. Just barely missed the playoffs. They did their part, but they had a, a late season loss in week 16 against the Carolina Panthers, 37 to 23. And that snapped a three game winning streak. They rallied and they won their last two games of the season. They needed some help. They beat the Bears soundly, forty-one to ten. Then they beat the Packers at Lambeau, twenty to sixteen, in the Aaron Rodgers send-off game. But it wasn't enough. And uh, so, can the Lions take that hunger from the disappointment of, of, of winning so much down the stretch, getting to nine wins, having a winning season, which is rare in Detroit, but missing the playoffs? Will that hunger be enough to get them? into the postseason this year uh well we'll have to wait and see but two very parallel teams one in the afc one in the nfc the jaguars and lions you know both cats we'll see they're both on the buck schedule lions early jaguars late but two very intriguing teams now uh we have 420 here so this is roll call time folks you know what that means it's time for roll call where you at, Pewter people? That's right. We do this every Monday at 420 on the Pewter Report podcast when we have a show. Uh, Scott's going to about to go into a rant about the Buccaneers. And in the meantime, while he's doing that, please start letting us know where you are watching from. Put your location of where you are watching this show from. We'll put it on the screen just like with San Antonio Gato, who's watching from San Antonio, Texas. And we'll keep putting... Uh, your location up on the screen as uh, Scott is talking about your favorite team. So, Scott, please uh, take it away. It's interesting, Matt, because when we looked at this topic, we, we each came up with our, our list of the five yeah. teams. And we had some overlaps, right? We've talked about that. We've got the, the Jaguars, the Eagles, and the Bills as our overlap teams. So we'll get into a couple of those other teams who already hit the Jaguars. But interestingly enough... So much changed this offseason in the NFC South, yet neither the Panthers, the Saints, nor the Falcons made that list for either, either of us. And, and uh, you know, it's interesting because you look at, at Frank Reich coming over. He's one of those coaches that just brings some gravitas, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of like Doug Peterson did 
with the Jacksonville. Boy, did they dodge a bullet and not not ended up with um, Byron Leftwich as the butterfly head coach, effect, right? Man, so here you have Frank Reich and Bryce Young, and of course, uh, I think the Panthers, as Josh Capel rightly pointed out mm-hmm. in the NFC South ranking series that he did, just not the most talented team yet, but with with the good coaching staff. And if Bryce Young pans out, this could be a team two years from now that really makes a move, and we'll see. But I don't think the Panthers are going to be that team this year. So Panther is not on the list for that reason, obviously. But I think there's, you know, there is some intrigue about Bryce Young, but they just don't have a lot around him, right? You mm-hmm. have Brian Burns, got Derek Brown in the middle. Uh, DJ Moore got sent off. They brought they brought in Alan Thielen. Um, they they imported the the running back. Uh, Miles Sanders from Carolina. Uh, I'm sorry, from uh, the Eagles. So there is some intrigue there, not enough to make this list. Then you've got the Falcons. Boy, they, they have spent money this offseason. M-O-N-E-Y. And they went out and got B. John Robinson in the draft. You know Arthur Smith's going to run, run, run the ball like crazy and try to play good defense. They added Calais Campbell and just about picked apart the New Orleans Saints defense, added a couple players there. But it's all going to come down to Desmond Ritter. And is this guy able to go throw for throw and toe for toe with, with some of the other quarterbacks in the NFC South? Now, it's not the juggernaut quarterback division it used to be when you had Drew Brees and you had Cam Newton and when Matt Ryan was the quarterback in Atlanta. But is he good enough to make the Falcons you know, a, a contender? for the NFC South title, because if he rises, then the Falcons will rise with them. But if he falls, I think the the dirty birds come crashing down to earth and they'll have to address the quarterback position next year. The one kind of damning thing about last year's come from behind win over the Buccaneers, when the Buccaneers had a lead Matt in week 18, they pulled their starters, including Tom Brady and yeah, Blaine Gabbert threw a touchdown right before halftime to Russell Gage, but this was a, a confidence-building win for Desmond Ritter, you know. And sometimes, what happens at the end of the season, there is a carryover effect. Sometimes there's not. We'll have to see if Desmond Ritter got some big-time confidence in uh, in beating Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, even though it really wasn't Tom Brady and the Buccaneers for the second half. It was the backups. Then you look at the Saints, Matt. Just not sure what to make of them. Their defense got depleted. They're a defensive-minded team with Dennis Allen. Is, is Derek Carr enough at quarterback? Interestingly enough, the only quarterback in the NFC South with a playoff win is Baker Mayfield, Tampa yeah. Bay Buccaneer. Derek Carr, no playoff wins. Same with Andy Dalton, who is the the, the backup, the veteran backup uh, in Carolina as, uh, as Bryce Young's um, uh, tutor, if you will, mentor. Uh, and then, of course, Desmond Ritter, new on the scene in Atlanta, so no playoff appearances there, but... NFC South teams have some intrigue, but not enough to make our list. Do you agree? I agree, and I, I think for me why it's not as appealing, it's because they're in your division. You know you have to play them. So it takes away the you know pizzazz of like, oh, this team's coming to town. We don't see yeah. them every year. Well, you know, all the other teams you do. And, you know, if the problem is, as you laid it out, there are certain things you like about each team, but then the factors that are stripped away just makes it so poor. It's like Carr coming to the Saints 
should be a really big deal. But the right. fact that the Saints lost everyone on the defensive side of the ball and, you know, Kamara's is dealing with the off the field thing. And, you know, Michael Thomas isn't Michael Thomas anymore. It, it, it feels like, you know, you have Coke, Diet Coke. It's like you have the Saints, a legit <laughs> yeah. threat to the Saints. These are like right. Diet Saints, you know? Yeah. And everything you said about the Panthers, I agree with. Exciting. They just got the number one pick. Mm-hmm. Nothing else around them. And, then, yeah. and yeah, the Saints, if we were doing a least intriguing, sorry, the Falcons, Sam Howell in terms of quarterbacks, he's the last one. Oh, sorry, Desmond Ritter. He's the last one yeah. on that list. Not intriguing at all. Right. And I, I think what's so intriguing, going back to Josh Capo's you know, article about, you know, ranking the coaches, ranking the overall teams, having Frank Reich as the first one. A lot of these coaches may not be coaching next season in the NFC South because, you know, Arthur Smith and and everything going on with the Falcons, like another losing season, he could be out. Todd Bowles, we've talked about it a ton. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, we'll see what's up with New Orleans as well. So I think the familiarity, the fact that, you know, you're playing them every year, if if it's a if it's a good battle for the division, all right, cool, yeah, absolutely, yeah. everyone's going to be invested. But some of the other options out there, just better to choose from. Matt, when you talk about the word options, uh, the one thing that comes to mind for me is Celsius because there oh, are yeah. so many amazing options. Now I went down to to uh, Indian Rocks Beach uh, down there. That that is that was like the old stomping grounds where Monty Kiffin and, and John Gruden would vacation uh, in the summer. Not together because they weren't on the same team, but that's how they got to know each other. And then when Gruden came over in 2002 via trade, he already knew Monty Kiffin because those guys would barbecue and and hang out on the beach and talk a little football. And when I went down there to Indian Rocks Beach, uh, I didn't have any Celsius with me. Of course, that's a big no-no. So I just stopped by Publix and I grabbed some of the the vibes right now. The Oasis vibe is one of my new favorites, and that's the one here in this picture. And and the sparkling lemon lime, is is also dynamite those are my two afternoon drinks the the morning flavor for me uh, if it's not one of the vibes is the the orange that's that's a winner but this is the pack that i got right there that that's that's a hard trio to beat right that's tropical vibe arctic vibe and peach vibe had the peach vibe this morning tropical vibe the other day and uh folks it's really easy to, to find celsius near you all you have to do is just punch in your address whether you're at home or on vacation and you'll find all of the Grocery stores, convenience stores, health and fitness stores near you. And if you're up north, maybe like in New York, you have a little thing called a bodega. Bodega. And then you grab a Celsius and you drink that bad boy. And it's going to fill you up with nothing but pure energy. The essential energy you need to power through your active life, whether it's getting up in the morning, uh, whether it's powering through uh, in a kind of a lazy afternoon at work or whether it's getting ready to go to the gym and you need some extra fuel, boom, just use Celsius. That's what we do at Pewter Reports, the official energy drink of Pewter Report. And once you find the flavors you like, order them on Amazon or Instacart. Yeah. Use the subscribe and save at Amazon and save some money and have them ship right to your house. So it's a great way to get the energy you need without the sugar crash. Why? Because there's no sugar. Celsius, the official energy drink of Pewter Report. Matt, before we dive into some of these these uh, uh, other teams here, as we kind of get into the uh, the meat of this show, uh, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about some of, of the other shows we have coming up. Tomorrow's show is going to be a, a, a great one. We've got a fantastic guest coming on. Uh, oops, wrong graphic. There we go. Uh, Tyler Dunn, who made some news by 
writing a story. He had a great interview, fantastic interview with, with Carlton Davis. And the title of his story is the title of tomorrow's podcast. Carlton Davis fears no man. And some great quotes in there. We know Carlton is a fantastic uh, guy to interview. Yeah. Doesn't really doesn't really make himself available as much as we would like him to. But boy, he had a great extended interview with Tyler Dunn and uh, Tyler Dunn of the Go Long podcast. And so he'll be our guest tomorrow to talk about that interview. And and he also had a chance to chat with Zion McCollum about Carlton Davis. And we'll get. Tyler's thoughts on on both of those uh, cornerbacks for the Buccaneers and just talk a little bit of football in general. So that's tomorrow at four o'clock Eastern time here on the Peter Report podcast. And then we have another Buccaneer guest, folks. That's right. Buccaneer outside linebacker rookie Jose Ramirez will be joining us. Finally, a defensive player. Hey, finally, someone on the defensive side of the football. Yes. So Matt and I will be will be on Wednesday night. And we'll be talking with Jose Ramirez at 7 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday. So our string of Buccaneer players or coaches continues with Jose Ramirez. Very interesting story out of uh, Eastern Washington. I'm sorry, Eastern Michigan. Eastern, Eastern Michigan. Michigan. And that's that's uh, the home of, of uh, Pat O'Connor. Yeah, his uh, his alma mater as well. Friend of so the program. Couple, yeah, friend of the program. So a couple of... Uh... Eastern Michigan guys on this roster. Scott, if I may, I would like to talk about uh, one of the mutual games and the first of the mutual yep. games that the Bucks get to uh, on their schedule, and that's week three, a Monday night football matchup at home in Tampa against the reigning NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles. And my first thought when I look at this game, this is a respect game. Because it's on national television, and as we talked about earlier and on different podcasts and in different articles on PeterReport.com, many, many people are doubting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So what better better way to get respect from everybody around the league than by defeating the Philadelphia Eagles, who are projected again to be a a great team this year, despite all of their coaches, uh, you know, getting head coaching jobs (laughs) uh, in other places. What better way to prove to everybody else that you're better than what everyone thinks by beating the NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles? And what I think is also really cool about this game, let's remember two years ago, these teams met in the playoffs That's in, right. in the first round. And that 2021 Bucks team, I'm going to flat out say it, that yep. team was better than the Super Bowl winning Bucks team from the year before in yep. 2020. But in that game, the Bucs were victorious. They won 31 to 15. The Eagles didn't even score until the fourth quarter. So That's the right. game was an absolute blowout. But Jalen Hurts has improved leaps and bounds and mountaintops since they last met. And um, they also have A.J. Brown in the mix, which is obviously yeah. a, another big factor that wasn't involved last time. And still a lot of the main core guys on the defense for the Buccaneers. So I think that matchup is thrilling in of itself. That, that sort of little rematch there. And then the last thing, I know it's week three, but the Bucs could either be playing with house money, starting out 2-0 and against the Vikings, who right. may be frauds, and playing against the Bears, who, in my opinion, I think they should defeat. Yeah. They could be 1-1, one and one, and this is, uh, hey, not a make or break, but you know, you'd rather be 2-1 and one than 1-2. One and two. Yeah. Or is this a must-win game because the Bucs mm-hmm. trip out of the gate and start out 0-2, and now, if you want to save your season, you got to beat one of the best teams in the league. I think there is a ton of storylines 
throughout yeah. in this one. And that's why I think it's one of the most intriguing. Well said, Matt. And when you look at, at the, at, at the Eagles, they're going to be playing with the chip on their shoulder because they, they've got a lot of the Rose returning pieces and, and they were close last year. It's just so hard to beat Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Right? Yeah. The 49ers found that out. The Buccaneers you know, certainly had their day and had their way uh, in Super Bowl 55 here in Tampa. But yeah, that's going to be a really early measuring stick for the Buccaneers. And, and it's interesting that it comes in week three because of those scenarios you mentioned. 0-2, 1-1, 2-0. What's the record going to be by the time the Buccaneers host the Eagles? And it's the Buccaneers' only Monday night game of the year. So for a team that kind of got used to playing in primetime over the last couple of seasons with Tom Brady in the house, now they only have a, a couple of opportunities to play before that that larger national primetime audience. And, and this one will be an interesting game for a lot of reasons. For me, being a defensive kind of guy, it's going to be an early test for this Buccaneer offensive line that's still going to be gelling, still yeah. going to be coming together, right? You've got that very young side of the line on the right-hand side with, with uh, Luke Gedeke at right tackle, Cody Mauck, the rookie at right guard, Ryan Jensen coming back, getting his feet wet after missing all last year, the Pro Bowl center. Then you got the newcomer, Matt Filer. How does he perform next to Tristan Wirfs, who's still making that transition in week three to left tackle because the Eagles, I don't know if it's going to happen again, but man, what did they have? Like 70 sacks last year? Yeah, it was ridiculous. Uh, yeah, they had five players in double digits with sacks, including Fletcher Cox right there, number 91, the old man. So I think as as much as the, the A.J. Brown and the Jalen Hurts kind of, you know, piques everyone's interest a little bit. I look at the defensive side and say, wow, this this Eagles defensive front is, is not getting any worse. It's just probably getting a little bit better with more experience and, and more cohesion playing together. And uh, I don't know if they're going to have that out of this world sack number again, but you know what? I think you could probably pencil the Eagles in for a reasonable 50-plus sacks this year, and that's still going to be good enough for you know top three, top five in terms of getting after the quarterback. So that's really why this is an intriguing matchup for me. As you mentioned, Matt, last time the Eagles were at Ray J, it did not go their way. And the year before, or actually earlier that season, uh, they beat the Eagles on Thursday night up in Philly. So that, you know, that probably is, has got a little bit of, uh, you know, of, of revenge factor uh, for the Eagles. Uh, we saw the revenge factor when Kansas City came. Yeah. To, to to the Buccaneers Stadium, Raymond James Stadium, in week four last year on Sunday Night Football and really took it to Tampa Bay because the last time they were here, they were losing in the Super Bowl. There is also a smaller little piece of history. Uh, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl when they defeated Tom Brady with Nick Foles, they played against the Bucs. It was a Sunday game, Sunday afternoon yeah. game. The following year it was early in the season. And the Bucs upset them uh, yeah. in that game. Now, you know, a lot of different players and everything like that. At least Mike Evans was there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, a big upset there. I think the Bucs should, um, for one week only, because I, I think everyone that works at Raymond James Stadium does a fantastic job, but they yeah. should hire the head grounds crew guy that worked at the Super Bowl and made the field so <laughs> slick so that right. it really subdued and neutralized the, really uh, did, yeah. the Eagles pass rush. I think they should hire that guy for a uh, – I think they call him the sod father. Hire the sod father for one week and then slow down that Eagles pass rush. Yeah. Well, let's not forget the Eagles. They, they've they added, um, you know, a bunch yeah. of, of Georgia, uh, Georgia player Bulldog possible. players. Yeah. So 
Um, yeah, so we'll see. They, they still have uh, uh, quite the formidable team. And it's one that I, I would really have a hard time. Um, maybe my, my opinion changes the week of, Matt, but I would have a very hard time picking the Buccaneers to win this game uh, in any capacity between now and then. And, and, and that's only if the Eagles suffer a series of, of serious injuries yeah. and the Buccaneers start to know and have a lot of momentum on their side. So we'll see. So uh, the common uh, intriguing games that Matt and I had chosen were the Jaguars. We covered them, the Eagles, we covered them. Now, Matt, the other one that we both had on the list, uh, kind of like the AFC version of the, the Eagles with a, a similar dynamic quarterback. He's going to be yeah. on the cover of, of the new Madden this year, and that would be Josh Allen and the Bills. Oh, yeah. Josh Allen in a lot of the headlines. Uh, he's dating a celebrity. He's on Madden. He, he's all over the place. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, again, it goes back to star-studded matchup. Bill's one of the best teams in the league. Been a Super Bowl contender for the past couple of years. Haven't got there yet. May not this year with Aaron Rodgers playing for the Jets, quite honestly. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, I, and again, I know it's a couple of years ago, but a, a, a classic all-time game between the Bucks and the Bills a couple of seasons ago where the Bucks had a huge lead, the Bills came back, and then right on cue, Rashad Perryman in overtime. So once again, you get the core nucleus of the Bucks defense going up against the, uh, you know, the Buffalo Bills offense with Josh Allen and, and Stephon Diggs and all the talent that they bring. But when I talked about the Eagles game, I said this was a respect game. Yep. This I look at as the measuring stick, the litmus yep. test exactly. type of game. Because they play in week eight. So the Bucs yep. will already have – that'll be their seventh game because they have an early bye this right. week. So I think right around then is the time where the Bucs, at least offensively, will start to understand who they are a little bit more. Yep. What works for them? What isn't working? You mentioned the offensive line earlier. That's so many more games that Cody Malk has under his belt yeah. uh, at right guard and Luke Gedeke at right tackle. I think the Bucs will – it's still a long way to go in the season, but things will start working for them at that point offensively. At least they'll understand who they are. But this is one of the toughest teams in the league. The Bucs haven't been great on at home on Thursday Night Football. Yeah. You know, they they lost to the, the, the Ravens last year. Right. Um, a couple seasons ago, this was on the road, but when they lost to the Bears, that was on Thursday Night Football with the infamous Tom Brady putting the, the four fingers up. Yeah, that's right. Thinking it was fourth down. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the Bucs in the past couple of years, remember that was a bugaboo of them in 2020 yes, that they couldn't win in prime time. And right. then they kept winning on the road. But at home, it's been a little bit of a different story, whether it was getting shellacked by the Chiefs last yep. year. Uh, they won a couple. They won the game against the Rams, but yeah, got to right a lot of the wrongs on prime time, especially at home. And I think Thursday night playing against a great team, I kind of like that it's on Thursday night. I don't like the idea of Thursday night football yeah, but it, in but general. It, it's, it's up in Buffalo, and so to to yeah. me, when you when you look at 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 that, that's a hard place to go up there to win. And, and the element I, of surprise, it may be, maybe, uh, maybe the the Bucks get overlooked by the Bills. I don't know, but. Uh, it was a thriller last time. It took Tom Brady to beat Josh Allen last time. And um, again, this is probably one of those those matchups just based upon the talent that uh, that they have. The fact the Bucks have struggled Thursday night games, whether it's home or away. And, uh, you know, I, I would be hard pressed to pick the Buccaneers to win this one, but never know. And we'll, we'll see how the season plays out. But when you look at, at the Bills, They've got a, a nice one-two uh, punch at receiver with Stephon Diggs and, and Gabriel Davis, who uh, 
Mm -hmm. uh, really just has kind of exploded on the scene over the last year or two. A big-time deep threat for the Buccaneers or, or, or for the Bills that will challenge the Buccaneers' secondary. You know, and their their defense has has, uh, has kind of let them down a little bit mm -hmm. in the postseason. So uh, I still think that that the Bills are are a, an NFC or an AFC uh, contender. Uh, it's going to be a much more difficult division than it has been during their rise because now all of a sudden, you know, the Patriots still formidable, but man, you've got Aaron Rodgers on the Jets, and they've really ascended with that uh, addition, which could be like Tom Brady was for the Buccaneers in 2020, and then Jordan the Miami White Dolphins. Missing piece. Yeah, that's right. And, and then then uh, the Miami Dolphins certainly. Yeah, uh, no slouches. They're well. right yeah. in the right in the argument as well. And I think their defense got better this year too. Yeah. So, yeah, AFC East is tough this year. It, it is, and so I think the Bills are probably going to be a little bit more battle tested than the Buccaneers, but a very intriguing opponent. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, this is really is kind of the litmus stick. This is the or the litmus test, if you will. Yeah. Measuring uh, stick, the measuring stick. stick. Yeah. yeah, and and by middle of the season we'll kind of see what the buccaneers are doing and and if they're going to contend for a playoff spot this year if they're going to con continue to to win the NFC South uh, they should have a good showing or maybe even a win in buffalo and and if not you know then then we'll have to see how the season uh progresses for the buccaneers and and if they can still hang on and and claim a playoff spot so those were the three uh, opponents that that Matt and I had in common, Eagles, Jaguars, and the 49ers. Uh, I'm sorry, and the Bills. Let's yeah. get to the 49ers because we're, we're talking about powerhouses. We already talked about the Eagles, right? And it's yeah. either going to be the Eagles or the 49ers. And the 49ers can't keep a quarterback healthy to save their life. But when he's healthy, as the Buccaneers found out, getting thrashed in San Francisco, Brock Purdy, he's pretty good. He is. Uh, he is pretty good. And, you know, for each game, I'm, I'm trying to think of like a word or two to kind of describe this one. And you mentioned the Bucs getting thrashed last year. This is a revenge game. This is about, you know, standing up because the Bucs got knocked down. Are they going to stand up and, and punch back this year? Because they yeah. got flat out embarrassed last they year. They did. They lost 35 to 7 to Brock Purdy, a rookie quarterback at the time. No one knew what Brock Purdy was going to be. He'd only been yeah. doing it for a little bit. And I understand the, the 49ers are a powerhouse, and you could look at it that way. But I'm just looking this, at this from a personal pride standpoint. Yeah. Getting absolutely shellacked last it year. It wouldn't even on close. Bo on both sides of the ball. You allowed yeah. 35 points. You only scored seven. And it was a garbage time touchdown um, at best with that situation. So the offense that the 49ers run, we've seen it whether it's the Niners, whether it's the Rams, you know, the, the Eagles are a little bit like it. And we've seen the Bucs struggle with that style of offense, yes. you know, as we saw last year. So Todd Bowles overcoming that. And I understand it's completely new offense this year with Dave Canales, new quarterback, but putting up more than seven points. Yeah. Again, have some pride. Stand up for yourself. It's later in the season, week 11, uh, kind of what we talked about before with the offense starting to get in motion. Yeah. This has to be looked at as a revenge game for the Buccaneers. I don't care if you were on the team last year or if you're new to this team, you're, they're going to watch the tape from last year. And it was ugly. One of the worst yeah. games that I've ever seen the Bucs play. And so from, from their own standpoint, 
they got a punch back this year. You know, I'm I'm thinking about this as you're talking, and I'm, I'm remembering the game, and and one thing that really stood out to me, and you know, the 49ers loss was just crushing because they didn't have a, a, a chance. Yeah, and I think the ended. the Carolina Panthers loss in Charlotte was probably the most embarrassing because yes, the Bucks had no business losing, and in that game for sure. And Mike Evans was involved in both of those games in a big way. He had yeah. a dropped 70-yard touchdown that really could have turned the fortunes for the Buccaneers in Carolina had he held on to that and, and given the Buccaneers some early momentum because Mike hadn't scored in, in a couple weeks at that point in time and just flat-out dropped wide open, DB fell down, and, and uh, you won't see that happen again from Mike Evans. Then you go out there to the 49ers, and you talk about punching back. Well, the Buccaneers did punch back because Mike Evans hauled in a deep pass, 60-plus yards touchdown from Tom Brady. But holding 76 offense, Donovan Smith uh, struck again, and another holding call took another touchdown off the board, something that happened too many times last year for this Bucs offense. And the Buccaneers never recovered from that. That was another deflating-type moment. Unfortunately, yeah. Mike Evans was involved in. He caught this one. It's a beautiful touchdown pass, but that the, they couldn't muster uh, up any counter punches until you mentioned the late in, in the game and garbage time. So I agree with you. This is going to be kind of a, of a gut check for the Buccaneers uh, because of the way they lost. It wasn't a close game. It, they got manhandled, and, and I, I agree. There, there's some intrigue. They'll, re, they'll, they'll return to the scene of the crime. Yes. It's another game <laughs> in San Francisco. So we'll see if uh, if round two for the Buccaneers 49ers game goes in a different direction. But I, I'm with you, Matt. There is definitely some intrigue there because the 49ers, if Brock Purdy is healthy or, um, you know, it, any of their quarterbacks, I think that I think yeah. they're trying to lobby for five quarterbacks uh, active on game day because they rolled through about five of them last year, it seems. And it would oh. have been interesting if Brock Purdy would have stayed healthy. Oh, yeah. At that playoff game. Everything. Would they have beaten the Eagles and and gone to the Super Bowl instead? It at least would have made it way more competitive. Like yeah. that game was done once Christian McCaffrey yeah. essentially <laughs> became the quarterback <laughs> in that game. But to bring it back to the Bucs, they've done at least since like 2020 when everything changed for them. They've done a and who knows now with whoever's going to be quarterback, probably yeah. Baker Mayfield. But they've done a good job of righting their wrongs in the past. Mm -hmm. By that I mean. You know, they lost in 2020 when they won the Super Bowl. They lost to the Chiefs in the regular season. They got swept by the Saints in the regular season. They got revenge in the playoffs, uh, you know, beating both of them, obviously right. winning the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. Uh, you know, last year they got a little bit of revenge against the Rams, albeit a depleted Rams team. Mm -hmm. For the way they lost in 2021, they had that big, uh, you know, that big comeback win uh, last year. So maybe the 49ers will be the trifecta now. They get revenge yeah. that way. A little bit different, obviously, different right. players. But, you know, the, if they stick to that same pace, then yeah. uh, it should be a revenge game for them. Speaking of the revenge tour, if the Buccaneers uh, are going to hop on uh, that tour, uh, they're going to be going to Green Bay to face the Packers. Now, the good news for the Buccaneers is the last time they were in Lambeau, they won. And boy, it was a big one. It was the NFC Championship game in 2020, upsetting Aaron Rodgers. In Lambeau Field, that's hard to do, and uh, and now Jordan Love, the guy to the right there with the jacket on, standing in between or standing next to uh, his coach um, uh, Matt Lafleur. Well, he is going to be taking over for Aaron Rodgers, and we'll see 
if the Packers can well, be competitive because really Aaron Rodgers just seemed to will this Packers team to wins over the last couple of years. It has not been the most talented team. It's just Aaron Rodgers' greatness and his ability to come back and, and lead this, this team to victory has really been the difference for the Packers. And now, you know, Jordan Love, is is he – is he going to be good enough to, you know, to pick up where Aaron Rodgers left off? I don't know, Matt. Right. I, I don't think he is. I really put this on my list just because it's the Bucks going to Green Bay and playing at Lambeau Field. The frozen in, tundra. Yeah, the frozen tundra in December. I yeah. want it snowing. I want, like, cold weather. I want to see the breath of all the players as yep. they run out onto the field from the first play of the game to the last play of the game. I'm kind of in it more for like the pageantry and this one. And I also think this will be an important game because it's so late in the season yeah. at week 15. And then, you know, the next week they play the Jaguars, which we talked about. They, they finished the season at the Packers against the Jaguars, uh, home against the Saints, and then on the road against Carolina. We yeah. don't know where the Bucks will be at that point. So at least with Green Bay, it looks like one of the last – winnable games to at least put them a game above maybe the saints or Carolina. Yeah. I, I think it's a really good positioning game for them. Also, uh, Tristan works when he went on that podcast recently, yeah. he said uh, the road stadium that he's uh, that he likes playing in the most, or at least that he has so far, because he's still only going to his fourth mm -hmm. year was Lambeau field. And he said yeah. partially because, you know, he's from Iowa. He's a Midwest guy. His friends and family can like drive to those games this year against the, the NFC North, and also right. that infamous NFC Championship game. That was also on Tristan Wirf's birthday. Yeah. So pretty happy birthday, birthday for him in that yeah. one stuff. Yeah, no doubt about it, uh, Matt. I, and, and it's interesting because this list that you and I came up with independently, we've got some heavyweights on there, right? Then we also have what appears to be some some lightweights. Yeah, Packers probably being one of those. And uh, you know, you have to see because the Buccaneers they did lose to the likes of the Panthers last year. Hmm. They lost to the Falcons in week 18. Um, they lost to the Steelers, right? So, again, any given Sunday, especially with this Buccaneer team, they will disappoint you. Even when Tom Brady, and you mentioned it, Matt, uh, against the Chicago Bears on Thursday night, right, back in 2020, uh, held up the fourth, thought it was fourth yeah. down. Uh, that that was that was one of those losses under Bruce Arians even. It wasn't Todd Bowles. It was just Bruce Arians' uh, team back, back then that, you know, the Bucks beat the Bucks. They underwhelmed, right? They disappointed, mm -hmm. and and so that's that's what's so interesting about this Buccaneer team is just when you think they're going to win, they don't, and sometimes they'll surprise you with some wins that you didn't maybe see coming. And hopefully, the Buccaneers will have a lot of those this year on the schedule. Those wins that many people won't see coming, and that's what leads us to our last opponent. And and like you, I picked a team from the NFC North. And also, I picked the team that the Buccaneers should beat, especially since this is the home opener in week two. That's right. It's the Chicago Bears. Uh, I'm intrigued by this just because the last time that uh, Justin Fields was in Tampa, he was running for his life, and the Buccaneers destroyed the Bears uh, early in his rookie season. And he's taken his lumps over the years. He's had to run for his life, and he's become a thousand-yard rusher, kind of like a poor man's Lamar Jackson. Can yeah. he become the passer that the Bears expect him to be and need him to be for him to kind of deliver on that first-round potential? 
just not a lot of talent in Chicago though around him, you know. But Matt, uh, we have seen this Buccaneer team again underwhelm. Let lesser teams with lesser quarterbacks beat them in the past. And what's interesting about this game is, and, and I learned this from Bruce Allen, a longtime general manager a long time ago. And he said, week two is always the most interesting week in the NFL because if you lose in week one, whether home or away, mm. week two becomes important because the statistics really, really change about your chances of making the playoffs if you start off 0-2. That's a, yeah. a, a tough hole to, to dig out of because uh, you essentially need to win your next three games just to get over 500. Yeah. Right. That's that's almost an entire month worth of wins. So week two is very important. As you mentioned earlier in the show, Matt, is this Buccaneer team, are they going to be returning from Minnesota with maybe an upset in week one with a chance to build on that and create some momentum heading into that Eagles game in week three by beating the Bears at home in week two? Or are they going to be needing that win mm -hmm. in the season opener at home uh, in week two against the Bears? To avoid possibly going 0-3 if the Eagles do in, in Tampa what we think they might, which is beat the Buccaneers. So this is kind of a critical game right there in Week 2 against a team that that needs to see more from Justin Fields. And he's kind of a tricky quarterback to beat. And, and the other thing, too, is he will give the Buccaneers defense a very good blueprint. Yes. Kind of like a practice session against Jalen Hurts the following week, Matt. But what say you about J Justin Fields and the Bears in week two? Yeah, I, I think there are a lot of uh, a lot of different storylines. One of the first things I really thought of was that, okay, this is a nice warm-up for, uh, for uh, Jalen Hurts the next week against the Eagles. Yeah. I do look at this game as – more for Chicago is Justin Fields the guy like did they make the right move trading that first round pick and not yeah. just getting um, another quarterback but yeah what I really think of is Todd Bowles better not mess around with this game obviously yeah. they're gonna have to contain Justin Fields we all understand that but don't mess around and give Justin Fields confidence as a thrower yeah he's got a uh, Chase Claypool now I believe from the Steelers Mm -hmm. They have a little more on offense than they have in years past, but like that offensive line, there's still some patchwork there. Todd Bowles, man, don't play soft zone. Yeah. Don't let him get confident. Don't let him complete four or five passes in a row because yeah. there's a running back open in the flat. No, you do exactly what you did the last time you played against the Bears and just pressure the hell him, out of him. Yeah. Pressure him a ton, make him scramble, but not scramble up the field, scramble towards the sideline so he has to throw it away or yeah. be done with it. Um, yeah, super important if the Bucs start out 0-1, but something about the Bucs and Bears, when they play against each other, it's always a weird game. You either get the Thursday night Brady game or you get a complete blowout for the Bucs if it's in yeah. Tampa or a complete blowout for the Bears with, with Mitch Trubisky going off. So hopefully they get another home blowout with uh, Baker making his mark. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Justin Fields is, is an exciting player. Bucks defense has to be on their P's and Q's and, and, and make sure they're doing all the right stuff. But uh, a lot of different storylines for this game that bring intrigue for the Bucs early in the season. No doubt about it. There's plenty of intrigue going on around the world, especially with the economics uh, at play with inflation, with the stock market. And, uh, you know, if you need some some help navigating the stormy seas of the economy, well, trust the 
the people over at Immuni Financial, the official uh, financial company of Peter Report. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. Folks, uh, Immunity Financial, they do a lot of things right. I've, I've got most of my financial uh, investments with Immunity Financial, and uh, I couldn't be happier with the results that I've gotten from them. These are some people that have been in business for over 40 years, not just helping people in the Tampa Bay area, not just people in Florida, but people across the country. So if, if you're in earshot, if you're watching this Peter Report podcast from the United States, well, let Immunity Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. Give them a call at 1-800-868-6864. Visit them on the web at immunity.com. It's more than just legacy planning, folks. It's brokerage and advisory services. It's retirement accounts, college savings accounts for the kids, and insurance services. Again, call Immunity Financial. Tell them Peter Report sent you 1-800-868-6864 or visit them on the web at immunity.com. All right. we got some great shows Yes, we coming do. up. We have a lot of fun shows coming up tomorrow. Carlton Davis fears no man. We'll have Tyler Dunn as a guest on the show who wrote that story about Carlton Davis. Going to be a fun show. That's tomorrow at 4 p.m. And then on uh, Wednesday. Sorry, right, there we go. Sorry, okay, there um, we go. There on we Wednesday, go. we have rookie outside linebacker Jose Ramirez on the show. It'll be fun to uh, get his perspective on playing for the Bucs, come to Tampa Bay, playing in a Todd Bowles-style defense and uh, what it's been like uh, on this on this new-look team. And, of course, uh, so that'll be uh, 7 p.m. on Wednesday. We have another show on Thursday at 7 p.m. And in the meantime, please make sure you're following us on all of our social media platforms, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and threads as well. We have a yeah. threads. Please follow us. We are at Pewter Report, and our YouTube channel is Pewter Report TV. We got tons of different videos coming out. We got the podcast four times a week. Please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'd really losing in on eleven thousand. Yeah, we're very 11, close 000. to eleven thousand. So Less than a hundred away. So if you are, if you're watching this this uh, broadcast here, if this this episode, and you haven't subscribed, hit the subscribe button. It's free. Yeah, just hit it, and then just it, it counts towards our subscriber numbers. Whenever you like or comment on our videos, it helps our algorithm, puts us in front of more Peter people like you, which we love. Thanks for. Participating in Roll Call. Saw some great cities and locations there. And uh, be sure to join us tomorrow for Tyler Dunn talking about Carlton Davis. What a great story that is. And we'll have uh, have him on tomorrow at 4 o'clock uh, Eastern. Matt, that'll do it for today's cool. show, right? That will. So for Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. And we'll see you tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out. <laughs>